Glory to God. Good to have you here this morning. What a good day to be in the house of God. They all are, aren't they? <laughs> Hallelujah for that. We're going to be over finishing up a section of Scripture we started last time in 1 John chapter 4. We're going to pick up here at verse 7. A few weeks ago we were talking about vessels of wrath and vessels of mercy. How many folks have, have uh, been watching with this that there's some people in your life that um, they, they aggravate you? They aggravate you. Sometimes we, we feel like we have to treat them all like vessels of mercy. But there are some people in your life that are going to aggravate you that are vessels of wrath. And if you deal with them as vessels of mercy, you're going against the nature of God. And you're going against the character of God. But if you treat a vessel of mercy like a vessel of wrath, you are also going against the character and the nature of God. You see, the idea is not for us to decide who is a vessel of mercy and who is a vessel of wrath. Ours is to find out how God sees them. Now, there are some vessels of wrath that can be moved to a place of a vessel of mercy. We had the, a number of them in the Word of God who were like that. Then we also had some who were vessels of mercy and moved themselves over into vessels of wrath. We can look at one, one person's name and see both examples. In the Old Testament, King Saul was a vessel of mercy. And the kingship was put upon him and the Spirit of God. But he turned himself into a vessel of wrath. In the New Testament, Saul went around persecuting the church and was a vessel of wrath, ready for the wrath of God to come down upon him. But he yielded to the rebuke of the Spirit and turned, became a vessel of mercy. Our goal is to try and get people out of being vessels of wrath into vessels of mercy. But it does not mean that you have to be all kind and nice because Jesus was not all kind and nice to everybody. So how in the world we put that standard on ourselves, I don't know. There are some people that you need to be stern with. And some people who won't, who won't respond to be, be nice. I've told you this story before, I'm, I'm sure of it. But, um, it was doing, one of the first times I learned this lesson was way back when I was making pizzas. And there was a particular, uh, young man there. Uh, my, he's about my age, might be a little bit older. And, um, <clears throat> He, he, we, we both had the same attitude towards work. He liked to work hard. I liked to work hard. We just worked hard differently. He was very controlled, very even. I was more energetic and sporadic. And so um, we would we would uh, contend with each other. But we had determined a long t- time before that we worked well together and that we could do some things together. He was a heathen. Friday nights he would come in. He'd work three hours on the make table. And then he'd go off and he'd party. And that's, that was his lifestyle. I worked Friday night because I was not a partier, so I stayed over there and, and I, I worked in the nighttime. But he, um, we kept saying, if you put both of us on the same shift, we'll get some things done. And we, we pleaded with them because he's only, he's only a weekend guy. We pleaded with them, give us a Saturday morning. Give us a Saturday morning to work together. And so we, they finally did. For one day, they finally gave us a Saturday morning for us to work together. And so we were going to work together and we were going to tear this place. We were going to show them how to do prep. We were going to have this place so prepped out. We were going to have it all done. The two of us were going to come in there and we were going to just shake this joint. And he came in hungover. 
And I was so mad at him. I was angry with the guy. We have been petitioning for for weeks, maybe months, to get them to put us on the same ship. They kept saying, we can't put both of you on the same ship. We need to split you up. We need you here. We need you there. And we just pleaded. They finally did it. They finally did it. And you come in hungover. I yelled at him. Now, see, he knew I'm a Raymond student. He knew I'm a Christian. He knew I was training to be a pastor. He knew all these things about me. And I yelled at him. I told him, I cannot believe that you did this. And he's over there laying on the, one, of the, one of the benches where the people sit to eat because he couldn't do anything. He's so hungover. And so you know what I did? We're in a pizza place. I grabbed the, all the pizza pans and dropped them on the floor. Every single one of them. I made as much possible noise as I could. And if he complained about it, I says, don't come in to our restaurant hungover. I was stern with him. And there were other times we did things too. We pulled jokes on each other. He was not expecting me to come back at him with the jokes that he did, but I came at him hard with jokes. Oh, I hit him hard. I won't tell you all the stories right now. I've told you some of them in the past. But um, what happened was because I did not treat him like a vessel of mercy, because I was in his face, and I wasn't just some nicety Christian, he related to me. And I still remember the day we had... Um, we had another time when we were able to do some things together in the morning and we had everything all done and we sat down and he, t- he told me, he says, Steve, he said, I was not always a heathen. He said, I was in church and I had some people who prophesied over me that I would be involved in ministry. Confided that. Took months of me not just being nice to him being a friend to him, but speaking sometimes some, some stern things. And so finally he, um, he opened up and he told me about all these things and he let me know a, a lot more that I'll tell you here that had gone on with, with him. And um, he, he eventually did turn his life over for God and eventually began to, to, to turn that way. And I had left Tulsa and I had come back over to here and uh, he and the, the waitress that he was dating the whole time I was there, and both of them are still very good friends of mine, uh, they called me up and they said, would you come down and do the wedding? So the very first wedding I'd ever did was, uh, was Chris and Tony's wedding. And it was, it was fun. We had a good old time. And we married him in a church that he eventually became a member of. And one of the, uh, I called him a few years ago. This is the first time I heard the story, and I know I relayed this to you because I was excited about it when I heard this story. He, uh, he said, Steve, he says, I'm not always in church on Sundays. He says, I go to church, but then we go out from there and we're doing Bible stories for the kids on the streets. We meet under an overpass and we tell Bible stories. He said, this is the most amazing thing. He says, you, he said, inside he was just so full of joy because he would see the kids' face. He says, I cannot even imagine what it'd be like. But these kids are hearing these Bible stories for the very first time in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And he's one of the guys who got to do it. And every Sunday, he'd be over there meeting with the people, no matter what the weather, under the overpass, he and one other person would go out there and read Bible stories. Now see, that may not have happened if I treated them all nice in the way that some Christians want to, want to do that. But I got in his face when it was appropriate. And after we dealt with it, I let it go. And we moved on to something else.
You see, you cannot deal with a vessel of wrath as a vessel of mercy, nor can you deal with a vessel of mercy as a vessel of wrath. You must understand not what you see them as, how does God see them? And once you catch the heart of God, then you begin to deal with them out of the heart of God. Oh, I tell you what, you can turn some things around. Help some people out. Last week we were looking at some some things uh, because uh, the, the Word of God tells us to love our brother. Not this, doesn't tell us to love the whole world. It says love your brother. There's people in the world you're going to love, but with the love of God, how you love the world is different than how you love your brother and bro- brother, we mean brother or sister. It's different. But sometimes people in the church are hard people to love. Thought I'd get at least one amen on that one. <laughs> well, they are. If you ever run into that, sometimes uh, maybe we're just a little more special here at this church. <laughs> but sometimes that can, that can go on. We gave you some things to um, help you pick out who is a true brother or sister. First off, a false, well, we gave you how you're going to identify a false one. Because you're not supposed to love a false brethren the way you love a true brethren. But see, the enemy wants to get in and make you think you ought to. Let's run over these real quick. First off, a uh, false brother or sister will promote themselves or their own cause. Not not the, the causes of God and not God. They'll promote themselves. They'll promote their own cause. They'll suppress the truth. How many times do we see in the news media, other places like that, where they're suppressing the truth? That's what they do. False brethren will also suppress the truth. They will also suppress other people's gifts. There's only room in this place for my, for me, my gift. Nobody else. They'll create an atmosphere where the truth cannot be heard. And we looked at some examples of this, how Paul would go in and they, he would preach. And once he started proclaiming the truth, people would come in and stir up the crowd, make so much noise that they couldn't hear. They would quench or try to contain the Spirit of God. And you cannot do that. You cannot quench or contain the Spirit of God. Well, if any of those things are new to you, that's on the uh, uh, podcast. You can get it down over there from last week. But I put this question for you up on Facebook. Do you sometimes think that what God has asked you to do is a burden? Now, don't give me your religious answer. Your religious answer is, no, of course not. God never asked me of anything that is a burden. But then in our private sessions with God, you want me to do what? You see, it's a burden. It's not fun. And sometimes we just rather not do it. So why does John write in this, in this section of Scripture, why does John write this, that his commands are not burdensome? If we've all had commands from God that are burdensome, why does he say that his commands are not burdensome? Put this in your, I think it's in your outline later on, but you remember a command or conversation that Jesus had. My yoke is difficult. Oh, it doesn't say that? My yoke is what? Huh. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. So that's two places in the Word of God where we had the burden is easy. Light. Not, not overbearing. Let's take a look at this. First John chapter 4, verse 7. We left off at 6 last time. We're picking up at 7 here. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifest toward us that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. 
Now, they gave me some blanks in there. You can speed through these pretty quick. I just wanted you to write them down so that they lodge in your memory a little bit better. First off, love is of God. Love is of God. The second one, everyone who loves is born of God. Everyone who loves, we're talking about the God kind of love. Everyone who walks in the love of God is born of God. And the third one, and knows God. If you walk in love, you will know God. If you don't walk in love, you won't know God. That's it. Doesn't matter how much you study, what kind of classes you took, whether you know the Greek and the Hebrew. Makes no difference. The way that you know God is to walk in love. That's it. There is no other way. This is how you do it. To not walk in the way of love is to walk in the way of not knowing God. All right, breeze through those pretty quick, right? Let's pick up in verse 9 again. In this, the love of God was manifest toward us that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now, why did God love us? Because we were so lovable? Because we did so many good things? Was there something in it for God to gain. Well, God doesn't need anything, does He? Doesn't need anything. Was there something in it for Him to lose? Or is there something He'd be missing? See, we're so used to doing things out of love, the way the world does, that I do it because I'm going to gain something or I'm going to lose something if I don't. And we think that has to be the motivation. God does not love you for selfish reasons. Because there's something He's going to gain or to prevent something He's going to lose. God just loves you. That's it. He says, in this is love. In this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Not that we love God. It's that He loved us. So if we're going to follow in the love of God, then we need to be able to walk in a love that loves others despite how they feel about us. They may be feeling good about you. They may not be feeling good about you. And it makes no difference. That's the love of God. Nothing to gain. Nothing to lose. There we go. Verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. You are never called to a higher plane of love than what God walks in. That's the highest plane. But so often the enemy has sold Christians on a love that is different from what God does. And we keep trying to measure up to that love with the love of God that's in us and we feel inadequate. Because the enemy has keep, have sold you to do something that he didn't, he didn't say to do. Well, you need to walk in love to that person and be nice. Let them steal all your stuff. And we get the idea as Christians, well, if a burger comes into your house, and wants to steal your stuff, 
harm your kids, well, you just got to let it happen. You got to walk in the love of God. If you were to use brute force and do something, no, that's wrong. What does God do when people came into Israel to do them harm? He wasn't very nice about it, was he? What did he do with the whole army of the Egyptians who pursued the children of Israel into the Red Sea? Oh, well, I want to walk in love to them. I guess we'll just let them go on through. No, he wiped them out. What does he do to the people who offered these Israelites, who offered strange fire to God? All right, if that's the way God is pattering things, why are you pattering after something else? If somebody wants to come into your house, harm your kids, harm your family, steal from you, guess what? Stop them. It's okay. It's not non-Christian to do so. Somehow we, we kind of thought that the, that was there. Doesn't God protect people? Yeah, and we, we mentioned this in a few weeks before, the, that um, hate is not the opposite of love, which is important for us to know because if I am loving God, it is going to produce some strong feelings against some people. That's important. Just like when you love your kids and someone comes against them, what does that do on the inside of you? All right, some of you don't have kids. You have a dog. <laughs> dog that you just absolutely love and somebody wants to come over and harm that dog. What, would you, what do you want to do? You want to take them out. Right? Why? Because of your love for the dog. Strong feelings of love will produce feelings of protection. The same way it works for God. And so if the, if the opposite of, of love is hate, then how is it that God's hate things if God is love? Esau, I hated. You can say it. It's in the Word of God. The Word of God says there are six things. Yea, seven. I was thinking my granddaughter was reading the, the, this section of the Word of God because on Thursday night, one of the Thursday nights we were here, we were uh, working with the worship team. She's back over there with me on the sound, on the soundboard, because I'm usually back over there by the sound. And I forget what it was we were talking about. But she says, well, there's six things. No, there's seven. <laughs> Said it just like that. I'm thinking, man, were you reading the Bible? Because <laughs> that's what the Word of God says. There are six. No, 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 there's seven. And there's, there's things, these are things that God hates. Hates. Why? Because he loves the truth. So the opposite of love is fear. And we're going to look at that verse of Scripture that says, perfect love casts out all fear. There's some things for us to learn from that here today. Where do we leave off at? Do we just do 11? Yes. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and His love has been perfected in us. If we love one another, if we love one another, see there's a conditional phrase there, if we love one another, that means you need to walk in love towards your brothers and sisters. And yes, your spouse is included in that. <laughs> your children, they're included. Don't, uh, don't treat them as a non-brother or sister, unless they are a non-brother or sister. Then you shouldn't have married them in the first place. Well, Hello. He says, no one has seen God at any time. 
If we love one another, God abides in us and His love has been perfected in us. You'll get to know God without seeing Him simply by the love of God working through you. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He has given us of His Spirit. Remember that verse if you were here earlier in the before service started there. Children were leading this in that song. Stirring it up. You gotta stir up what's on the inside of you. The Spirit of God has been put on the inside and He will, He has poured out that love in your heart. We're going to get into a couple of things that people pray. I'll bet you one of them you have prayed. Don't raise your hand when we get to it. Just look like I knew that. Just do that. I, I knew that. You other people needed to hear this. No one else will know. But sometimes we pray, dear God, help me to love them. Every, no one raise your hand. But anybody ever prayed that? Just inside hands. You just raise your inside hand. But go, oh Lord God, help me to love them. You see, you're not understanding the love of God on the inside of you. And it's for you to stir it up. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He has given us, us of His Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God abides in Him and He in God. And we, know, we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God. And God in Him. But here's the, here's the crux of it. And we have known and believed that love, the love that God has for us. God is love. God is love. The actual Greek would read it this way. God as to His nature is love. The nature of God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God. Not the world kind of love. God's kind of love. Now your motivation to love it must be from within, not from without. We are so used to, in the world, the motivation for love comes from without. Be nice to me. Be kind to me. Feed me. Whatever it is we want them to do. But it comes from without. Because you have done these things to me, I therefore can walk in love. But that's not how God did it. God's love came from within. So if we're going to love the way God loves, it comes from within, not from without. So people cannot do nice things to cause us to love them, nor can they do mean things to cause us to stop. Because it's on the inside of us. And a vessel of wrath, I deal with them differently. Because of the love that's inside of me. Not because of how they treated me or what they're doing. But because of that love for God. Verse 17. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we have boldness in the day of judgment because as He is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We, we love Him because He first loved us. Now the perfection of love is boldness. One of the things He gives us here is boldness in the day of judgment. We're going to look into to why that is. Here in just a, just a minute. But he who abides in love, perfect love cast out what? All fear. All fear. The fear is gone. The fear is not there. I put this in your outline for you. There's only a little blank you got there. Fear is not trusting. When you walk in fear, you have left trust. Now, just to, um, to, to drive this home, 
some of you kids will, will like some of these 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 uh, things here. We have some pictures that Brother Daryl has uh, scoured the internet for and has uh, has brought us up. So uh, pick one and, and show us that. How many of you? Um, how many of you know what that was? It'll come back here in a minute. Now I, I found one in particular. I, I, was, I was hoping Daryl could find this, uh, where the, a person had this thing on his hand. It was the size of his hand. I've never seen a spider like that. How many of you, that's, that gives you the willies? That kind of scares you a little bit? Yep. We had another one too. I saw it, Daryl saw it, I saw I vetoed it. I said, I don't want to give anybody nightmares. So I'm not going to tell you what that one was about. But it was, uh, it was scary. Most, how many people love spiders? Let's see. Look at that. I know that they're there. I know that they're there. There's a particular pet store I used to go to all the time. Don't get to go there all that much. But I still know the owner. And every once in a while I see the owner. And his name is Tom. And I saw him. And they had taken out all of the reef tanks. Not all of them, but a whole lot of them. And he says, we put in a whole new line of spiders. He says, because tarantulas are the new in-pet. People love having tarantulas. How many people would like to have a tarantula at home? Was that a, hand, was that a raised hand? Not just a scr- scratching nose. Okay. You're, you guys are safe. A couple of them. You got two right there. You want to have a spider tarantula at home? And a snake. I know she likes snakes. Snakes give a lot of people... The, as soon as we see those things, it's, it's, something comes on when he's... On the, because I don't trust, I mean, I don't trust the spider. I don't trust, I don't trust the snake. I think that snake wants to bite me. In fact, I know that snake wants to bite me. The snake probably doesn't. But then we go to these places and we see the guy who gets into the snake pit. Would you do that? Miss Sharon would, I'm sure. Yeah. Miss Sharon would do it. I swear you saw this guy, he was getting into a snake pit filled with rattlesnakes. All over the place. Just rattlesnakes all over. He just pops right on down in there. Why? Because he knows the snake. He knows what he can trust. It because, and there's no fear there. Because he trusts in his knowledge of the, of the whole thing. He has that, that trust in there. You see, if we were to walk in trust more, we wouldn't fear. Go on to our next picture. See what you came up with is this one. Yeah, it's a little bit hard to see. This is, um, I was telling Daryl about, there's a video. There is a particular video on this. How many have seen the glass bridge? Glass Bridge. There's a particular video, if you want to go up on the internet and find, find this thing, where um, a couple of the Glass Bridge panels are display panels. They're not glass. They just look like glass. And so as you are walking across, the uh, display panel displays a crack that continues to grow, but it reacts to where your feet are. And every place you put your foot, a crack begins to go on again. And I saw people just flipping out. I mean, you were on a high bridge and you are just dancing around, jumping on the side. You would not do that normally <laughs> on a high bridge. But suddenly they're not trusting what is there. And um, it's it's quite comical. There's some uh, bridges can can instill fear in us. You see, if we go over a little bridge and it's only three feet off the ground, I don't have any problem with that. But then, you know, six feet, that might be more of a test. And if there's rushing water underneath, that, that picks up the, the factor. And if we're over a uh, 600 foot gorge and we're looking down to nothing, just 600 feet down, there it is. Mm. 
That's just a that's just a little much, isn't it? Uh, we were watching the show. I like that. Um, uh, I like these kind of shows. I know not everybody here does, but I like these particular shows. And I'm dragging my wife along to, to watch it along. She's she's not big on these things. But there's a particular show on TV called Seal Team. Anybody ever seen that one? Yeah, um, I enjoy that show because I just I just like that type of um, uh, genre the, of uh, of stuff. And so um, they were this latest episode. They they were going down a hole. And this hole, you could see the bottom of it, so they took those little light-up things and they dropped them down there. And I remember the comment from one of the guys who was there, one of the hot shots, and he goes, uh, shouldn't that have hit by now? <laughs> <laughs> and there was a comment made by one of the people, one of the old, old salts over there telling one of the young, young kids, he says, just so you know, a fall from 600 feet will kill you just as quick as a fall from 400. <laughs> Thank you very much for that. I appreciate that, that encouragement. But you see, it's, we, we feel fear, but the problem is trust. When we are afraid of a thunderstorm, I don't trust for the storm to stay outside. I don't trust for the lightning not to, not to get in and bother me. I don't trust for that spider not to harm me. If I felt like the spider couldn't harm me, I'd be okay with it. You know, it's just, we have to have that, that confidence. You know, there are certain bugs I know are not going to harm me. So I do gross out some people because I go out there and I scoop them up in my hand. And I carry them outside. And then once they're outside, I either let them go or if I don't like that particular bug, I kill it. Just depends on, on what, I, what I think about that bug. Just uh, put it right on in the, in the hand. Just cup it up. You know, sometimes they squirm around a little bit. They, they, they move a little bit. But they can't bite you. You see, I trust, I know this thing's not going to bite me. I know that it can't bite me. I know that it can't hurt me. I trust that knowledge. It may feel weird, but I trust in that knowledge. So I can just carry it on outside and then just, just, just drop that off. Certain dogs might cause fear in people because they hear the bark and they think, I don't trust that dog not to bark, not to bite me. You see, fear is really a trust issue. And when we walk in love, we walk out of fear because when I trust God or when I love God, I trust Him. That's what helps me out. Now, how many folks have ever been doing this? Maybe you've, maybe you've done it. Don't raise your outside hands. All right, everybody be aware of this. Just look like you know this. You may already know it, but if you don't look like you do, no one will know the difference. You'll be just fine. How many have ever had fear come upon them and you say, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over you fear. I cast out fear now in the name of Jesus. And we do such things like that, right? And sometimes it helps us and sometimes it doesn't do a whole lot. <laughs> Read that verse again. There is what? If I am feeling fear, where am I not? In love. How do I get rid of it? Get back in love, right? But perfect love does what? What casts out fear? Let me say it to you again. What casts out fear? Then why do you use your words instead of your love? 
Why are we wasting time? I, can't, I take authority over you, fear. I bind fear in the name of Jesus. And such things like that. When Here, this, this verse is very clear. What casts out love? Or what casts out fear? Perfect love. If I want to get rid of the fear, I walk in love. So whenever fear shows up, what's it telling me? Something came along to pull me out. didn't mean I wasn't. Something came along to pull me out of that perfect love. Something came along and did it. Casting it out. That particular thing doesn't help. I take authority over thunder. I cast you out, spiders. (laughs) Now, I am not telling you that you have to go fall in love with spiders in order to walk in, in love. All right? If you don't like spiders, that's, that's fine. You can, you can go and, and do with that as you, as you want. But let's do what the Word of God says here. If I have fear that shows up in my life, then I have somehow been pulled out of my love walk, which means something shook my trust of God. Now, you've all experienced this when you were young and growing up. Because if we're here, we may not have kids, but we surely had parents. <coughs> and when the thunderstorm came, and you went from playing in that loud clap of thunder, where did you go running to? Mom and Dad. Why? Because if I can get close to them, I trust them. Because I love them. And in their presence, I feel better. In the presence of God, folks, we'll feel better. Fearing is not trusting. He said in that that verse that as He is, so are we in this world. As He is now. So are we now in this world. He's in a different world in heaven. But here in this world, we will be as he is. And we will have boldness in the day of judgment. Why? Because I trust that what God did was enough. The reason that people do not trust the day of judgment, they're afraid. Oh, I hope when I get there that I've done enough. You ever heard people say that? It's because they don't have the trust. They, they don't trust the Word of God. The Word of God says that if we do these things, if we operate this way, we have confidence before God. We get there, we don't have to be nervous and kind of wait around and not really sure what's going to happen. Have you ever had a credit card that you weren't quite sure if it was still good? <laughs> <laughs> We've all been to that one, huh? <laughs> not quite sure if there's enough room on the card. Kind of hoping that there is. <laughs> and so you, you present the card and you're, you're trying to look confident. Right? <laughs> but, oh man, I hope this thing goes through. <laughs> and you, you give that over to them and there's just not a whole lot of confidence right there, but, you know, on the face we're, we're looking pretty good. And then when they finally said, oh, it, 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 it worked. <laughs> of course it did. <laughs> but inside, oh man. Because I suddenly lost trust in that credit card to have enough behind it for it to for it to work. I lost the trust, produced the fear inside of me. 
now we have the internet. We can just go up there and check. Oh, yeah, okay. I still got 100 bucks. I'm good. <laughs> I can get some gas or, or something like that. But they, so our trust was restored. As soon as the trust is restored, fear goes away. Fear is a trust issue. It's not a love. It's not a... Um, it's really not much of a, another issue. i got to get that trust back. And that trust comes from the love of God. If I understand that the all-powerful, omniscient God who created all things truly loves me and is looking out for me, then I'm just fine. And that will help us out. So it is perfect love that does the casting, not your words or actions. Welcome to us. Finish this off. Verse 20. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. Hmm. Once again, back on the brothers. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. So you cannot say that for the brothers and sisters that are down here on earth that you don't love them and say that you love God. Can't do it. Because that love of God is going to come out and He's going to love on them. Doesn't mean that you're nice to them all the time. It means that you speak the truth and love when you need to. But you're always always there loving them. You're going to love them the way that God loves them. Verse 1 of chapter 5. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God and everyone who loves Him who begot also loves Him who was begotten of Him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. Keep His commandments. You see, if I trust God, I obey God. It's when I think that God gave me an unrealistic commandment. I no longer trust Him. Well, has God really said, you shall not eat from all the trees? See, He's trying to get us to Shake that trust factor. If I trust God, I obey Him. Why do children disobey parents? I was a child, I know. <laughs> Not squealing on anybody. This is just, uh, why do children disobey parents? Because I don't trust that what you're saying is for my benefit. Now you look at the way a lot of parents are with their kids and you see how they destroy the trust factor. Which is why they have an obedience problem. I'm not saying that's the only reason. I'm just saying that's one. That is one reason. You go over there to the Walmart and you watch how some of the, some of the kids are going on. You know, we, I, was, I was watching, I won't say where it was, but I was watching this particular thing going on and this father was playing catch with his son. And he was throwing the ball with all his might. Kind of to show how, how well he could throw the ball. And he was a strong guy. And he could throw that ball with some velocity. The boy was no more than eight or nine. And all he could do was try and kick it to kind of protect himself from the ball because it was really coming in at him. And he got reprimanded by the father for not catching it. And he said, you're destroying trust. Because you're showing me you're trying to hurt me. You're not here to build me up. 
Now, what's going to sow? What's that going to sow inside that little boy? Disobedience. You want to help your kids? Get them to trust you. And understand, it's the same way with God. If there's a trust issue between us and God, who's the one who does the ministry? Doesn't God minister to us? Doesn't God help us with that? Doesn't God reach down and say, look, I'm going to help you in this trust area. Doesn't he do that? That's how we should do it. Get over there and trust them. Build that trust up again. It will help you. That's, again, that's not the only reason there's disobedience. That is just one reason. But it is certainly something that can be very encompassing. Be careful in it. The reason I disobey is because I trust what I think over what someone else who has authority over me has said. Right? Why do you speed? Because I trust that my emergency is more important. And surely, if they had known what my emergency was, <laughs> when, the, when the police officer pulls the people over, what do they first say? Usually. Not the police officer. What does the passenger in the car say? The person in the car say? I am on my way to... I have an emergency. My wife is pregnant. We're going to the hospital. Whatever it is, we cite the... Because the, if you know the emergency, you understand... Why I, I broke, and, and how many times do we see the police officers not impressed? <laughs> Brother Keith, how many times were you not impressed by the excuses given? Never. Oh man, he's tough. Never. I would think every once in a while something would come up. Never? Never. Whew. Man, he, don't get pulled over by Mr. Keith. That's, man, never. Mm. See, I trusted myself. Why is it that we can learn do not date an unbeliever until we meet one we want to? Right? Why? Because I don't trust that this law is going to help me out. I'm thinking that this law is in my way right now. And I trust what I want, what I see, more than God. And so disobedience is again a trust factor. I'm trusting myself more than I am trusting God. More than I'm trusting His Word. If I can get that to that spot where I trust Him, you won't have that problem. Verse 3, For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not burdensome. His commandments are not burdensome. His commandments are not burdensome. That would be like me saying a 35 mile an hour speed limit is not a burden. But if you are in a place and you want to go 45. Mm. It becomes very burdensome. Does it not? I can feel the burden. I know I'm not supposed to run a red light. But it was pink. Hmm. <laughs> not burdensome. We look at some of the laws of men and we can see the burden on it. And maybe some of those laws are, but they're made by imperfect people. But the laws of God, the things that He's given us, they are not burdensome. Because what happens is I have not understood what the Word of God says or I am trusting in myself more than I trust in God. Because I trust in myself more, 
then it's a burden. Because I don't want to walk this way. How often has it been a burden for you to walk in love to your brothers and sisters because you thought the standard of love was different than the way God lived it? How many of you, we've, we've talked before about the forgiveness, the forgiveness issue. And um, some of the things that go along w- with that. And it, it sets some of you free. Oh, I thought I was supposed to forgive this way. I thought this is the kind of way I was supposed to go around and, and forgive. And once you learn how God forgives, it was better. Because the world teaches you, just forgive people. But God says, ask and I'll forgive. Ask with a repentant heart and I'll forgive. And so the, the enemy has, has sown on the inside of Christians, no, we just need to forgive whether they ask or not. And then they tie in, well, forgiveness means you trust them. I, I know there's a whole mess of people on the face of the earth that God has forgiven that he also does not trust. Why does God not give gifts of the Spirit to everybody? The same gifts of the Spirit to everybody. They haven't walked in that trust yet. I can't trust you with the gift of such and such because you haven't been faithful in this. Why is it God tests people out? He even says this. We're going to test you out with money first. How you handle money. Then we'll see how whether we can trust you with the true riches. He's trying to find out, can I trust you? But you see, we, we learned a different standard and it became burdensome. Most times that a commandment from God becomes burdensome is our lack of understanding on the commandment. Or, sometimes we have full understanding on it and I'm just kind of attached to what I feel and what I like and what I want. And I'm not ready to let that go. And it becomes burdensome. But walking that trust with God, it'll help. <clears throat> For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Now, look at it. We're not going to get into This is just for you to go on home, meditate on, think on for a little while. How many of you think the call of Paul was a burden? If you had the call of Paul, and every place you went, there were riots, people beat you up, put you in prison, and tried to kill you. How many of you would see that as a burden? See that as a little bit of a burden going on right there. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, Paul did not. Isn't that amazing? Why? Why is it that Paul does not see that? Because of the love and trust he walked in with God. He even said on his way to Jerusalem. We just read over that. Hey, I'm ready to die. I'll go there and die. I'll be put in chains. I'll be put in prison. I'm fine. This is, go, this is all right. This is the man who's not, not burdened by the fact that he might die put you put in prison or beaten. This, why are you all messing with these tears for? It was not a burden. You see, he walked in the love of God. That love kept growing and growing in him so that something that we look at to be that heavy. All right, now think about other people in the Word of God. How about Jeremiah? Did Jeremiah think that his call was a burden? He did for a little while. Why did he think that? (laughs) Think on that one for a little while. It'll come to you. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is, who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Whoever is born of God overcomes the world. If you want to overcome the world, walk in love. That will put you in God and you will overcome the world. 
We keep praying for overcoming. We keep praying to be overcomers or keep believing to be overcomers when all you really got to do is walk in love. If you walk in love, you can't be overcome. Jesus walked through this world and was not bothered by the things that people did to the point that he was you know, thrown by it. You all want to beat me up? You all want to kill me? Crucify me? He's all right. Because the call of God was not a burden. Well, again, what God has commanded us, could it ever become burdensome to us? The problem that comes in with the call of God or the walk of God or the commandments of God, the reason they become burdensome is because a particular, we've grown in our understanding, and a particular understanding of a command, of his call, of something going on, that particular understanding took us to a new height. And that our trust factor for God was just exposed. Oh, that's the top of my trust. I thought I could trust God no matter what. This is, this is pushing it. Wow. Can I trust him here? You know, we, we have trust for God when things are going well at the job. And then all of a sudden, things at the job hit a bump. And I, might want, I went from trusting God to, ooh, I'm not sure. You see, you're, you're, there's a threshold. And the only way you push above that threshold is for things to happen that expose it. When they expose it, oh, all right, that's my threshold. We got to work on it. We got to get that a little bit higher. Because I get that trust higher, I'm walking more in the love of God. I walk in more in the love of God, I get to know God more, and I overcome the world. If I can push my trust factor up higher. Would you be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Would your trust factor be fiery furnace? Seven times hotter? I mean, these guys just seem to be relaxed at the whole thing. And, yeah, go ahead, Gillis. Go ahead, push us in. Our God is well able to deliver us from your fiery furnace. That's a trust factor right there. What kind of things did they walk in before that that pushed their trust factor up that high? Boy, that had to be something. We've got to get that threshold pushed up a little bit higher. Because what I want becomes greater than what God asked. And what was supposed to be light Matthew 11 has become heavy. That's not how it's supposed to be. Now, I'm hoping that I can get one of our young boys over here, any, anyone in particular, who wants to come up and help me with something. It's a real simple example to do. Won't embarrass you at all. In fact, you'll have some, a little bit of fun. Anybody want to want to come up? Max, you look like you're ready. All right. Max, I'm going to need you. There's a, be real careful because i got a sleeping boy over there. At least he was. Underneath my chair, there is a pink ball. Would you get that for me? Now, I have not given any instructions to, to uh, young Max. Not in, no instructions at all. I'm not going to tell you a thing to do. All right? I just want you to do whatever you want. Now, how did you know I wanted you to catch that? <laughs> because I threw it. I didn't tell him to catch it, did I? I didn't teach him how to catch it. The reason he caught it, you can sit down. That's good. The reason he caught it, You throw a back throw. There you go. <laughs> the reason he caught it 
is he knows when the ball's coming my direction to get ready. Now, Matt wasn't looking at it. I threw it down underneath his sight. He's looking at me. And he, he doesn't see it. But you see, when we see it coming, we just know if it comes, I put my hands out to catch it. And we learn. Or it's, it's a habit. When a ball comes my way and I see it, I catch it. That's just what I do. We just catch the ball. And if you like Chenzo, once you do, you throw it. <laughs> because it's a, it's, a, it's a habit. When we walk habitually loving and not hating, when it becomes a habit for us, when we walk habitually loving, it becomes our habit of life. This is how I walk. This is, this is just what I do. It's a habit. When I run into situations, I don't have to think, walk in love, walk in love. I just do it. And it just comes up on the inside of me. Be stern here. Does Jesus need to go out and find out who, who do I need to be firm with? No. It just comes up on the inside of him. This is a person of wrath. This is a person of mercy. This is the person we need to do this with. When he sees faith, he ministers to it. Because it's down on the inside. It just wells up. It just bubbles up on the inside. These are the things that are under the surface in your life. They are down inside. They are already there. They just need to come out. I love because of what's in me. Not what others do. That's where we have to get. I love because of what's in me. Not because of what others do. I put it in here as the cause principle. I'll give you this uh, at least once before. Either because I or because they. I'm either going to love because I have decided to love or I'm going to love because they have done something. I or they. What's your principle for love? Because of what's in me or because of what they do? How are you going to love? How are you going to walk in that love? We love others. We love God by loving others. So I love others because I trust God. And that spirit that's on the inside of me is going to lead me into the places that I need to go. I'm going to know what to say. I'm going to know how to say it. I'm going to trust when that spirit comes up on the inside that I know that is the right thing to do. How many times have you ever been in a situation with a person and as they are speaking, something comes up on the inside and you want to say it? You, you want to speak that out. But then you talk yourself out as, no, that's a little harsh. That's a little mean. And you talk yourself out of it and then as you're going down the road, you find that, that was the Spirit of God. He was welling up on the inside of you to speak something, but you didn't say it. Now you try and go back and duplicate it and you can't. That was your opportunity. That was your chance. You can go back and try and recreate it. It won't have the same effect. You see, we, we learn that trust. There's also times that the world would, would say we ought to re- respond harshly. But down, up on the inside, down in my spirit, it's coming a different... No, no, no. Be soft here. Be kind. Be easy on this one. And I, I follow that spirit because I trust it. I've learned it. I've walked in it. And here, when you get right into the nitty-gritty, right into this time, I know what to say. You've got to have that trust. You see, because God's learning to trust you as well. If I speak to them in these situations, 
Would they trust me enough to say? Just because you have something harsh to say does not mean it came from a selfish motivation. Because if you speak harshness from selfishness, it doesn't help anybody. But if you speak something harsh out of the love of God, it'll come across a different way. It won't come across as the mean way that selfishness will. We've got to get out of the selfishness. Loving because they do something I want. Or I'll respond this way harshly because they did something I didn't like. I don't look to the outside. What people are doing to me, I look to the inside. God, how am I supposed to respond? And the more tuned in I get to that spirit that's on the inside of me, it just wells up on the inside of me. And I speak loving words of correction. Or I speak soft words of encouragement. But it's what comes up on the inside of me. Now listen to that. That's truly walking in the love of God. It will change you and it will change the people that are around you. Would you all stand up with me? Glow over to God. Father, I thank you that the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by your spirit that dwells in us. That that spirit dwelling on the inside of us will lead us to speak and to say things to help the people that are around us. We want to yield to those words. We want to know that what we are feeling are feelings that you have. What we are speaking are words that you speak. And just as Jesus said, I only say what I hear the Father say and I only do what I see the Father do. And that's how we are to go. And that's how we are to be led. Father, when we walk in this kind of love, the world cannot stop us. The world cannot conquer us. But we overcome the world. Because the force of the love of God will overwhelm every other force, every other thing that comes against us. Whatever the Satan tries to throw our way, the love of God will neutralize it. And it will become a habit. It will become a pattern that we will just follow and do because it's in us. Give you the glory and the praise for it. Glow over to God. Glow over to God. With every head bowed, how many of you can say here today, my trust needs to grow? Raise your hand. My trust needs to grow. The level of my trust has been exposed a few times, and I have shied back. But folks, instead of shying back, understand that when that trust level has been exposed, there's an opportunity for you to grow. Because God wants you to keep moving further and further into his love so that we can get to a place where we can carry a calling like Paul did and not feel a burden. There were times he wrote and said he despaired even of life 
because there was times that his threshold was challenged. But he grew past it. And he took on even more. Thank you, Father, for the way you're leading us, for the way you're guiding us. We give you the glory and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Brother Victor, you have our ending today. morning. Um, I got this word in my spirit when the, um, the worship was on for Sister Alicia. Uh, Psalms 127 verse 4 and 5. Say, children are born to a young man. Children born to a young man are like arrows in, the, in a warrior's hands. How joyful is a man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he contends with his accusers at the city gates. Um, the Lord led in my spirit that he is happy for the work you are doing among the kids, especially when you are ministering to them. And um, I had this understanding that when the elders in the church, maybe when pastor goes to be with the Lord, these are the ones that are going to stand for the Lord on the earth. You know, and I think it will be a great thing of joy to see them from above doing the work that we are doing today. Praise God. So, um, thank God for being in church today, and it's been a wonderful time in God's presence. Hallelujah. Um, as little kids, you know, when we're born, we were born without spots and um, no wrinkles and all that. We're just pure. But as we grow older, we discover that you know, the body starts picking up, picking up some things, spots and wrinkles as we, you know, become very old. Um, uh, we understand that the blood of Jesus has washed us from all our sins. You know, but sin has been so old in the human race that it left a lot of spots in our bodies, um, left a lot of wrinkles in the bodies of man. But thank Jesus that he has given us his word. In Ephesians chapter 5, 26 and 27, uh, Scripture says that he, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy without blemish. And that's exactly what we get here whenever we gather here on Sundays and Wednesday uh, to be ministered to by uh Pastor Steve. So today I want us to say a special thank you to Pastor Steve for all he's been doing. Um, this month was, I love my, I thank my pastor's month right in USM. So we, we want to say a special thank you to him for um, giving himself to the Lord to bless our lives and our spirit. The word of God came so powerfully this morning and I want us to read together. Say thank you Pastor Steve. Can we read together there? Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am so glad that you give. Can we take it together again? Thank you for giving to the Lord. I am a life that has changed. Thank you for giving to the Lord. 
I am a soul. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much for giving to the Lord, Pastor Steve. Uh, we have um, two praise reports here with us today. Brother Bobby um, had a severe reaction to medication and uh, he's asking us to praise and pray that God will give the doctors wisdom to get the right medication and the right dosage um, to relieve the pains. Hallelujah. It is done in Jesus' name. And then we welcome back Sister Ento. We love you. We are happy that you are in church today. Um, she's thanking God for the church family, for all your prayers, the love and the support. I have felt so much love and support from you all, and I am very grateful. Hallelujah. So your prayers for me and my family are making such a difference. And uh, the funeral arrangements are for my dad. For my dad are going much better than I expected. Amen. I thank God for making a way through every uh, thing going on. I also thank God for the opportunity he gave me to go to Israel during this time and for everything I learned. Thank you for your prayers. You know, it was an awesome time to be in the presence of God in the midst of this you know, trouble. I mean, I'm sure God really blessed your life. Hallelujah. We thank God for everything. So um, Wednesday, there will be no midweek service, right? Here from yeah, the announcement we have on the bulletin. There's no midweek service on Wednesday. Um, all right. So. Hallelujah, not on Wednesday night, okay. <laughs> yeah, we already know that. <laughs> Amen. So greet everyone as um, you walk out of church this morning. Amen. 